Well, we're going to jump into the Word of God today, and um, the title of the message today is Lord Over All. Everybody say that with me, Lord Over All. And you know, we, we, we can think about that title in the sense that God is sovereign, and He is. He is the Lord over all things, but, but that's not the focus of, of this message today. Uh, the focus of this message is more directed towards us in understanding who God calls us to be, and that the Lord desires to be the Lord over every area of our lives. That He desires 100% of who we are to be dedicated to Him and only to Him. Can anybody just say real quick an amen to that? And, and, and this message, I, I got a message that today is really just a, a kind of a challenge to everybody. So, is anybody willing to accept a challenge today? And, uh, and, and, and I want you to know that I, I'm not the type of preacher um, that, that all of a sudden, you know, challenges the church because I found out something about somebody during the week and I'm like, oh, I'm going to preach about that on Sunday. And I'm like thinking about a person in the church that's got an issue. And then the whole message, you're like, is he talking about me? No, I no, that, that is not how I do things. But, but, but I do believe that the Lord does have a challenge for you today, and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to many people today whether this is for you or not today, and, um, and to hopefully bring some freedom to, to some people's lives today, to walk closer with Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Ezra, and uh, we were in Ezra last week, Pastor Eric um, um, brought the word of God, and I heard great things uh, about what he preached about. Uh, I, I, I'm going to invite us to do something real quick right now, though. He had to uh, leave today. He was here in our first two services. He had to leave and take his wife to urgent care right now because of a problem with her knee. And, uh, and can we pray real quick and believe God that God's going to just do a miraculous work of healing in her knee right now? Are you with me? Jesus, today we believe that you are right there with Martha where she is at and that her knee that is damaged in this moment can be miraculously healed. We pray, Lord God, that you would uh, restore every tendon, ligament, muscle, nerves, every single thing that is out of order, that you would bring it back into order right in this moment. We believe in you and we thank you for your healing work in her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to continue in Ezra uh, today, and um, we're going to be in Ezra chapters 9 and 10. But before I, I get into reading uh, from those chapters, I, I wanted to just kind of give a, a little bit of a foundation to this message. You know, we can get all the right things in life while still missing the God of all of those right things. We can get all the right blessings in this life, but still miss the God who gives those blessings. We can get all the opportunities in this life, yet still miss the God who created those opportunities. And this is so important. Because I, I do not, I don't know about you, but I do not want to miss God in the midst of all of his goodness. I, I want God's goodness, but I want God more than his good things. And I want to live my life in that type of way. And, and with this in mind, and this is a really important thing before we 
uh, jump into specifically into the verses is that if you do, do take some time to actually study the history of nations, uh, empires, countries in the world, you, you realize that all of them have something in common. Every single nation, every single empire has a rise and then eventually a fall. And, and their fall may not ultimately lead to them being destroyed as a nation, um, but, but they won't be as strong as they were at some point. And, and historians have tracked this. They, they've actually studied this to see what actually occurs to cause a nation that was once powerful to eventually lose that power and to lose that status. And, and basically, the conclusion they've come to is really, really simple is that in the beginning part of that nation or, or empire, the people have, have vision. They want to grow. They want to expand. They want to uh, accomplish things. They want to advance. And so the, the, the people fight. And I don't mean they fight with each other. They, they fight to advance. They fight to grow. They, they fight to experience good things. And, and as a part of that, they also sacrifice. They sacrifice a lot of things in order to get to where they want to go. And so little by little, this country or this nation expands and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But then there comes a point where it kind of reaches the max of its power. And it reaches the, the max level of its safety. And it reaches the maximum amount of peace, and also, everybody say this word, prosperity. And, and when it gets to that point, then all of a sudden, the people no longer have much to fight for. There's no focus on advancing anymore. And, and, and what happens is stagnation begins to set in in that country, and, and people begin to simply enjoy the fruits of their labor. They enjoy their prosperity. They enjoy their riches. They enjoy their peace. They enjoy their safety. Am I making sense to everybody right now? And, and that point in a country or in an empire is the beginning point of its downfall. Because once they get to that point, all sorts of twisted, corrupted things begin to enter into that society. And when all those things begin to enter in, then the nation is on its way down. Now, just in case you're wondering, my preaching today is not about nations or societies. My message today is about you and about me. But I want you to understand something, that we are seeing this happen in real time in the country that we live in right now. In real time. It's happening right in this moment. A nation that has been blessed by God, which I believe, and has experienced huge amounts of prosperity, but is at a point where we are so prosperous and things have been so good that we have allowed all types of perversions of what God intended to, to come in. And it's really interesting because in the book of Leviticus chapter 18, if you're taking notes today, make sure to put it down. Leviticus 18, because it's so important. God actually makes it extremely clear. And he was talking to Israel here, but he was not talking to Israel only about Israel. And he says that there are all types of 
ultimately in this chapter, sexual sin that enter into a nation when they are at, at a certain point and those things corrupt the nation and lead it to a place where they eventually lose out on what they were before. And God actually says this in verse 27 of Leviticus 18. It's not on the screen. It's not in the bulletin. Just write it down and you can read the whole thing later. He says, all these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I am taking you. And this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out are Jesus' words to the people of Israel, as it will vomit out the people who live there now. So God makes clear that there's a level of corruption that can come to a nation that will end up causing for that nation to lose its status. And I want to tell you today that no matter the world that we are living in, I, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this. Um, I have, my wife has, because we have five kids. Have you ever asked yourself, or maybe you're thinking about having kids, like, should I bring a kid into this world right now? Anybody ever had that question? And let me just tell you, and let me be clear, and for those that are married without kids, and those that have kids and are thinking of having more, or those that are about to get married, bring kids into the world. Jesus is with you. And God knows the timing of every single thing in society and in life and in every generation. But let me tell you that even though we're living in very interesting times, our call as the people of God is faithfulness to his word no matter what is going on around us. This is our call, that we would live faithful to the word of God. And so let's jump to the book of Ezra where I want to focus our time today because God has a specific desire that he shows to the people of Israel and I believe is God's message for us today. Ezra, and in the beginning of Ezra, the people of Israel who had been in exile were brought back, or many came back, better said, to Israel. They were given permission by the king of that time to go back to Israel and to rebuild the temple and the altar. And last week, uh, Pastor Eric spoke about the rebuilding of the altar. So they rebuilt the altar, they rebuilt the temple, and they started offering sacrifices. And a little bit after that is when Ezra actually shows up to Israel in chapter 7. But today we started chapter 9, and it says this right at the beginning. When these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me, me as an Ezra, and said, many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. For the men of Israel have married women from these people and have taken them as wives for their sons. So the holy race, the nation of Israel, has become polluted by these mixed marriages. Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. So not only had they intermarried with these corrupted nations, but because of these marriages, they took on all the practices, the horrible practices that these nations had. And let me just be clear. These nations had 
horrendous practices like sacrificing their firstborn children in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. They killed all of their firstborn kids. I mean, an absolutely horrible practice among many other things that they did. Can you imagine if you were Ezra and you show up to Israel and you've heard about the altar being reconstructed, reconstructed and the temple being built. And you're like, man, I'm going to go back and worship with everybody. And then you show up and they come and tell you this. I don't know if you're a you know, guy that works all day and you're married and you know, the wife stays home with the kids maybe. And, and, and if after a long day of work, you're showing up at home and you're going, oh, finally, I have my favorite chair or my favorite couch and I'm going to get home and I'm just going to sit in and you open the door and your wife hands all 20 kids to you and just says, here you go. I can't handle them anymore. You're like, I wasn't expecting that when I got home. And I'm sure Ezra was not expecting to show up to Israel and all of a sudden receive this type of report. But it's what he gets. And so it says this in verse 3. When I heard this, I tore my cloak and my shirt, pulled hair from my head and beard. Ow. I mean, that, that, that's got to hurt. And, and sat down utterly shocked. Then all who trembled. Read those four words with me, everybody. Then all who trembled. Let's say it one more time. Then all who trembled. And all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. That word trembled um, in the Old Testament is used just about five or six times. What well, one time it is used as a reference to people being afraid of an enemy. So they trembled at the sight of the, the enemy. But the other times, all the other times it's used is actually trembling at God or at his word. A physical reaction to the fear of the Lord. A person that says, I honor and revere God and his word. And in this moment, Ezra and these people are trembling physically trembling because they so believe in the word of God and it upsets them so much that there are people, especially leaders in Israel, that are doing the exact opposite of what God had told them to do. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where I respect God and his word at that level and that I would tremble at the word of God and how important it is in my life. And I sat there, he says, utterly appalled until the time of the evening sacrifice. Everybody say evening sacrifice. And watch this. In verse 5, it says, at the time of the sacrifice, at the time of the sacrifice. I, I want to stop here for a moment and, and explain something because this is the, the core of what I am getting at today. You see, they had restored sacrifices. Once they built the altar, they started offering regular sacrifices. And so when Ezra gets this report of what's going on, he gets to the time of the evening sacrifice. Everybody say it with me. Evening sacrifice. All right. The evening sacrifice. And this evening sacrifice is obviously a sacrifice that happens every single day. So they were offering sacrifices all the time. But there were still these people that were in complete 
disobedience to God. In other words, what was going on was they had the form of worship, but they lacked the function of worship. Let me say that one more time. They had the form of worship, but they lacked the function of worship. They were people that showed up to church on Sundays, every Sunday without fail, but their lives from Monday to Saturday were a complete disaster. And by the way, I am not accusing anybody in this room right now, okay? You're off the hook. Tell the person next to you, it's all good, it's all good. Chill out, relax, it's all good. But they were people that had the form of worship, right? They, they participated in the activities of worship, but that worship did not become a way that they actually lived, a functional lifestyle for them. So they carried the form, but they lacked the function. Everybody say those two words. Everybody say form, and everybody say function. And so they had the form, but they didn't have the function. They worshiped in form, but they did not worship with their lives. And today my message is to, is to tell you that the Lord desires to be the Lord over every area of your life. Jesus desires to be Lord over all. That 100% of who I am would be submitted to Jesus Christ. We, we, we just sang a song just a few minutes ago about how his goodness and his faithfulness comes after us. But then we sang, we said, but I surrender. I surrender all to you. Oh, this is the call of God that we would be a people who surrender everything of ourselves to Jesus. Can you repeat this phrase with me? I'm gonna, we're we're going to say it together in a second. But I want to say it together with you. I surrender all to you, Jesus. Are you guys ready? Let's say it together. I surrender all to you, Jesus. How many affirm that today? So at the time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in mourning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and lifted my hands to the Lord my God. And this was his prayer. It's a long prayer, but it's a good prayer. He says, oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you. For our sins are piled higher than our heads. And our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, we have been steeped in sin. That is why we and our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We have been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced, just as we are today. But now we have been given, a, what does it say right there? A brief moment of what? Of grace. Oh, everybody say that again with me. A brief moment of grace. Is anybody here thankful for the grace of God in our lives? That even though the people of Israel had majorly screwed up, God's grace was on them and had brought them back. And that's literally what he says right here. We have been given a brief moment of grace for the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in his, what two words are right there? 
unfailing love. How many are grateful for the unfailing love of God in our lives? That even in our sins, even in our brokenness, God's love is unfailing. And he says, in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Everybody say the word grace. He's saying, listen, God has given us this amazing grace. He has shown us unfailing love. He has brought us back. How can we take this grace then and screw up so badly? It actually reminds me of of Paul the Apostle's words, who, uh, paraphrasing for you, says that we should not take advantage of the grace of God. He says, does the grace of God, does that mean we should just go ahead and sin as much as we want? No, not by any means, because it is the grace of God, my friends, that empowers us to become like Jesus in our lives. And so he goes on to say, and now, oh, our God, what can we say after all of this? For once again, we have abandoned your commands. Your servants, the prophets, warned us when they said, the land you are entering to possess is totally defiled by the detestable practices of the people living there. From one end to the other, the land is filled with corruption. Don't let your daughters marry their sons. Don't take their daughters as wives for your sons. Don't ever, I want everybody to repeat this line with me. Everybody together, what does it say? Don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. Read it with me one more time. This is so important. Don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. I need to explain this to everybody because this line right here is so absolutely important. So absolutely important. You see, this was the nation of Israel. They were an actual nation, a group of people with a common identity that lived among or around other nations. And the closest nations to them, the ones that we already read about at the beginning of the chapter, were absolutely evil, corrupted to the core, completely evil. And God's direction to the people of Israel is to not ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. I want you to track with me here for a moment. Because... When the people of Israel had gone into exile, God actually told them that they needed to seek the peace of where they were. So this sounds like a contradiction. If they were in exile in Babylon, why were they called to seek the peace of that place, but then of the nations surrounding them that were corrupted, they were called to not promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. If you're with me, everybody say amen. All right, track with me here. What's the difference? What's the difference between Babylon where they were and these nations that are surrounding them? I'm going to give you the principal difference. And we can make an entire message just off of this part. But, But the principal difference is this. 
that when they were in exile, they were taken to countries while those countries or nations did not believe in the God that we believe in, did not believe in the God that the Jewish people believed in, they did have a moral code that was relatively similar, not totally similar, but relatively similar to the people of Israel. Or in other words, those nations had a sense of morality. But the nations around where Israel was had lost complete sense of all morality. They were devoid of morality. They were completely corrupted, completely broken, completely evil. But Babylon, while it was if you want to call it evil in the sense that it didn't follow God, it was not evil in the sense of the day-to-day functioning as a nation. If I'm making sense to everybody, say amen with me. So that is why God invites the people of Israel when they're in exile to seek the peace of the nation they were in exile in. But while they are in Israel, God does not want them seeking the peace of these corrupted nations. No. In fact, God wants those nations completely removed. And so, he says, don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. And I want to tell you this, and, and I, I, I don't, the, the last thing I would want to do is to place some type of legalistic requirement on anybody here. So let me be clear. I'm not going to give you examples of this because I don't want to bind your mind or your conscience to any requirement that I would put on anybody. So this is not a legalistic requirement, but this is a principle in which we can choose to live and have the discernment of the Spirit and how about we go, go about doing this. That I believe these words are true for us today. That we are called by God, as Peter says, we are a holy nation. We are a holy priesthood, a chosen nation. Everybody say with me, chosen nation. We, we are a nation of God, not a nation with borders because the people of God are across the entire planet, but we are a nation of God who, and we are honoring God with how we choose to live. And in the world that we live in now, I believe God is telling us to not promote the peace and prosperity, hear what I'm going to say, of that which is corrupted. Do not promote The peace and prosperity do not contribute to those things that cause corruption and are filled with corruption and evil. You might consider what that looks like. You might consider how you use your money, where you spend your finances. You might consider where you send your kids to school. And let me be clear, I am grateful, absolutely fundamentally, totally grateful for the people in our church who are teachers in our public school system and are shining the light of Jesus Christ in that place. Absolutely grateful for each and every one of them. And yes, we can give them an applause. But let me also say that it's also true that in those places there is massive evil that is being communicated to our children. And you and I need to consider 
what we do with our families, what we do with our finances, whether we invest in and promote the peace and prosperity of things or items that are causing corruption, corrupted ways of living that are contributing to a society that is drastically walking away from the ways of God. And again, I'm not telling you a specific thing you have to do. I would never require that of you. But you invite the Holy Spirit to focus and give you focus about what he's calling you to do, and then you walk in that direction. But know this, that at the end of the day, our biggest call in this is to make sure, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I will do everything possible to make sure that that happens in my life and with my family. So don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of all those corrupted and evil ways. If you follow these instructions, God had told them, Ezra is repeating God's words in this prayer. You will be strong and will enjoy the good things the land produces, and you will leave this prosperity to your children forever. Now, he says, we are being punished because of our wickedness and our great guilt, but we have actually been punished far less. Everybody say it with me, far less. This is the mercy of God. We have been punished far less than we deserve. For you, our God, have allowed some of us to survive as a remnant. But even so, we are again breaking your commands and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Won't your anger be enough to destroy us so that even this little remnant no longer survives? Oh, Lord, God of Israel, you are just. We come before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant, though in such a condition, none of us can stand in your presence. But as my wife said during prayer, thank you, Jesus, that he died on the cross for us and we have direct access to the presence of God. And then I'm coming to the end here. Ezra chapter 10, we get the solution. What did they need to do to eliminate the corruption that was beginning to bleed into Israel. What do you need to do? When you have areas in your life that are in disobedience to God, and God is saying, I want to be the Lord over every area of your life, what do you need to do? What do I need to do? This is what happens in chapter 10, verse 1. While Ezra prayed, and made this confession, weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God. A very large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, and children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. And Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land, but in spite of this, what does he say right now? There is what? Hope. There is hope for Israel. And I want to tell you right now that if you love Jesus, but you know that you've had a lot of form, but not a lot of function, there is hope for you. I don't come today with any judgment. I don't come today speaking as one who has it all figured out or better than anybody else. I come today to tell you that there is hope for you to live a life completely and totally dedicated to Jesus Christ. There is hope. 
So he gives the thing they need to do. He said, let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. Well, that's drastic. Let me just be clear. I am not suggesting that to anybody in this room right now. That is not the word for you today. In fact, no, the Apostle Paul makes it clear in the New Testament that if you are married to a person that is an unbeliever, and notice this, this wasn't just an unbeliever. These were people that are massively corrupted and evil in their ways. But Paul made it clear that if you're married to an unbeliever, if there is peace in the marriage, then you just continue right on in that marriage. So we're not, I'm not suggesting this, but here's what I am suggesting. Hear me out. As what Shechaniah recommended was a drastic decision in order to return to full obedience. Let me repeat it one more time. A drastic decision to return to complete obedience to God. And here's what I do believe. I do believe that there might be some people in this room right now that need to make a drastic decision in order to move into complete obedience to Jesus. Maybe that looks like for some of you needing to let go of some type of friendship or relationship that you have, not to blame the other person, but because of that relationship, you are going down a pathway that is walking away from God and God is telling you, listen, I want you so step away from that relationship and step into what I have for you. Maybe God is calling you to leave your workplace and to find something else. Not just because your boss treats you bad, but because you are around some people that you know have been leading you and you've been giving in to temptation and things in your life that you know are not from God. And you know what? I, you go, I know what? This is not the place of God for me. I need to trust God for somewhere else. Maybe there's something that you need to get rid of in your life. A drastic decision. And God is saying, listen, this has become a distraction to you or this has become a portal for you to step into sin or temptation. Get rid of it so that you might walk in obedience with me. God is calling some people here to a drastic decision and some of you are going, how do I know if that's me? I'll tell you how. In the last three minutes, whatever came to your head, that's it. God already revealed it to you. Not me. And you know what he's calling you to do. And so with that, I want to invite you to stand up with me. And we're going to pray. And I believe God has this very specific message because he let me be clear. He wants to be Lord over area, every area of your life so that you might walk in the freedom and the peace and the joy that God gives. Let's pray. Jesus, today, oh, Jesus, we are so grateful to you. You have been so, so good to us. And Jesus, today, it is our desire to have you be the Lord over every area of our lives. It is our desire, Lord God, to be a people who are submitted to you, who are walking in humility before you, who choose a lifestyle of obedience to your ways and to your word, 
A people who would be so transformed in our hearts that we would tremble at your word because we have such a high reverence for you. Oh, Lord God, would you change our hearts to become those types of people. This is who we desire to be. This is who we want to be today and every day of our lives. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. And with this prayer, I do want to invite, I want to invite you today, those of you today that know, you know that you know, that you have an area or areas in your life that right now today are in disobedience to God. Now, I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to embarrass a single person here. I'm not asking anybody to come up here and confess things. What I am inviting you to do is to make one bold move so that I can pray for you right now because I want to pray for you and partner with you in the decision you're making. If you know that you have an area of drastic decision that you need to make in order to walk in obedience to God, raise up a hand right now. Come on, just raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. I want to see those hands, and I want to partner with you right now. Lord God, for all these hands right now that are raised in this room, Lord Jesus, today, right now, in this moment, I affirm the decision that these brothers and sisters are making And I say, Lord, let it be so in their lives. And may you give them the boldness and the confidence and the trust in you, Lord God, to make this decision, to make this move immediately so that they might align themselves in obedience to you. Lord God, fill their hearts with peace in this moment, knowing that as they make this move, you are with them in every moment, and you are going to respond to this decision. And Lord, you are going to bless them more than they can ever imagine. And so I bless them as they choose to walk in this obedience today and every day of their lives. Lord God, move in them mightily. Move in them powerfully. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give an applause to God right now? Come on, my friends. He is so good.